1: You're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Tom, Richard and Brandy on a Friday morning. A Friday morning in which we have played our favourite game ever, which is the proxy data game, uh, with one of our favourite players, Alan Williamson, is the CEO of taleem and he is always up for a bit of speculation as to what his numbers tell us about the population. Although, to be fair, it's not actually speculation because he keeps a very close eye when it comes to enrolments on what's coming forward from other schools, what's coming in from other countries. Uh, It's a great interview, if I do say so myself. I did it, and it is on this podcast. We've also been speaking, and by we, I mean I, to Robin Mills, who is the CEO of Cammer Energy. It is a month since COP. The IEA has come out and said that the next five years are going to be the fastest, like ever, for growth in renewable energy. And yet, at the same time, we have another mega merger coming out from the US in the traditional energy space. Which is it? That's what I have asked Robin this morning. Meanwhile, the boys have just been talking about golf all day. We have had a fantastic interview with Chris May. He is the CEO of Dubai Golf. And I can tell you that after the interview, he gave us the numbers for chicken wings, 42,000 Was it pounds or tonnes. Gosh, there is a huge difference there. In terms of the amount of chicken wings that have been eaten in the last year, 46,000 burgers in one year by the players of Top Golf. He has been speaking to us ahead of a very big golfing season here in the UAE. All of that plus inflation day. We saw US inflation rise yesterday to 3.4%. As always, yada, 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 yada. What does it mean for us?
2: Big themes on the show today. Inflation came in at 3.4% overnight in the United States, hotter than expected. We've been speaking to Ed Bell of Emirates MBD. How much of a surprise was that number?
3: Inflation in the US failed to cool as much as the markets had been expecting for December, with the headline CPI rising by 3.4% year on year. That was actually its fastest pace since September last year. On a monthly basis, inflation was up by 0.3% and the fastest pace in the last three months. Core CPI, which strips out the cost of things like energy and food, also failed to ease as much as expected, and it was up by about 3.9% in December. I think what markets had missed out on was that core goods prices, they actually moved to being flat month on month, and that was their strongest print since May last year, as we've had some stronger prices for things like used cars super core inflation, which is services when you strip out the cost of housing, that was also flat at 3.9%, so a relatively high rate. Paired with the better than expected non-farm payrolls we had earlier this month, the December inflation print is probably going to erode some market confidence that the Fed is going to be in a position to cut rates as early as March. And
2: that was very much the message from the Fed after this report came out. Loretta Mester is the head of the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. She was doing the round on the TV networks. And as you can hear from her now, their mantra seems to be keeping interest rates higher for longer.
4: The December CPI report shows that the job isn't done yet. Obviously, we don't want to see the progress in inflation stall out, but I don't think this report um, suggests that's happening. I, it just suggests we have more
3: work to do um, and we're committed to do it.
4: More on inflation, uh, more on rates uh, and more on uh, the UAE or the GCC rather against the rest of the world in terms of uh, sentiment we're seeing coming out of both, uh, coming away shortly. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively
0: on Dubaii1038.com.
1: We are talking schools this morning. Schools operator Talim uh, posting record revenue for their Q1, Q1 2023-24. Very pleased to be joined by the CEO, Alan Williamson. Alan, good morning.
5: Good morning, Brandy. Pleasure to be on the show again.
1: Right, let's look at the numbers. Record revenue up eleven and a half percent. Your net profit up more than sixty percent. What's behind the numbers?
5: Enrollment, uh, fantastic enrollment. The growth of our portfolio. We're very proud to uh, help the government with the national agenda. We've added six. Actually, we published five today. Since then, six new public private partnership schools but most excitingly our private school enrolment is up by 11% so fantastic revenue growth on the back of that enrolment and we've also um, made some smart investments uh, so you'll see a rise in our net profit.
1: Right, OK, that's what I wanted to ask you. When we've got net profit up more than 60% and revenue up by 11%, what's the difference? Where are you either saving or making money?
5: Yeah, re- remember, we're sitting on uh, I- IPO funding um, and we will deploy that uh, over the course of the next two years. We're really excited to be building four new schools, uh, delivering 8,000 new seats in into Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Um, but in the interim, you know, we... We're benefiting from interest rates and uh, also incredibly good investment from our CFO. Uh, so, look, we're, we're, we're doing really well. Uh, I, I'd like to focus on the revenue growth, on the enrolment growth, um, because really that's the long term for Taleem.
1: And I absolutely want to talk about enrollment growth. You know we enjoy talking to you for the proxy data game. Just to pick up on one thing you've said there, just because I don't think we've heard another business say it yet, you're sitting on that cash, obviously, the undeployed funds from your IPO, saying that you're benefiting from the higher interest rates on that.
5: Yeah, I suppose it swings both ways, doesn't it? And uh, we, we're very conscious that we have that money. Um, we have a clear strategy out- outlined. Um, the The four schools will be four times, you know, 180 to 200 million dirham investments into Dubai, into Abu Dhabi. Um, but in the interim, w- you know, we, we, we need to be investing that. Our shareholders will expect us to act wisely in relation to that.
1: OK, so let's play the proxy data game. Let's look at your enrollment figures up nearly 27 percent. But as you say, um, you have acquired um, students and you have acquired those schools. If we take the government schools out, what have you seen in your own expansion, you know, your previous expansion and where's it come from?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. We, the, One of the things really we need to celebrate is closing the capacity utilization in in our existing portfolio people uh, are deciding to stay in schools and stay in talim so uh, you know and stay in dubai and stay in abu dhabi and i think that's crucial to the the larger economic outlook people are not going back to uh, you know their homes expats i'm talking about emiratis are choosing uh, and in some respect, private education as well. But in terms of percentages, you know, we've talked about this before. We are, are seeing about 25% of that new enrolment coming in to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, new expat. About 35% of that is just new students coming in. And I think that's a really interesting statistic because that's coming from a nursery or a KG um, and coming into sc- in, into school. So, you know, that's young, young children coming into the system. And if they stay with you for 12 years, that's extremely profitable for a schools group. And Talim are very proud that 40% of other children are choosing... to to leave their present school and and to come into Talim's values-based and values-driven education.
1: And what's the percentage that you're up without those government schools? A
5: a 11% rise in premium education, which is phenomenal. It's actually above the, the market. It's above what KHDA have published.
1: So let's talk about your own expansion, those four schools that you are building at the moment. Two lines that I've pulled out of your earnings here. One says Talim's focus remains on targeted MA activities. What are you looking for?
5: Well, let, let's touch on the four greenfields first, because uh, if you drive over the Sheikh Zayed Road, you'll see a state-of-the-art building on the water canal. That's DBS Jumeirah. Out uh, beyond the 3.11, we are building uh, DBS Mira. And actually, you've been talking a lot about roads. I'm staring at Richard's screen here, seeing the red get deeper around the schools. Uh, one of the things that we're really focusing on is building in communities. The, the the population of Mira will no longer have to get out onto the roads and drive to school. In terms of m It's an exciting year ahead. I can't speak about it just now. But we are, you know, to lean our thinking beyond our, our, our present horizons, you know, we may be, over the the next year or two, announcing a a slight diversification of our portfolio.
1: Away Uh, from education? Not away
5: from education, absolutely not. Talim were founded for all the right reasons 20 years ago and we will always focus on, in the words of Tony Blair, education, education, education. It will be K-12, although the early years is looking really, really interesting in terms of an economic growth uh, but, you know, we're looking at a, a variety of opportunities that are really, really exciting.
1: What can you do in the education space that you're not doing already?
5: Curriculum. That, that, you know, that's one thing. Price Point would, would be another thing. Um, you know, Price Point, we, we operate in, in a really interesting part of the market, affordable premium Education. You send your children to Dubai British School and you'll go to a Russell Group or Ivy League University. But there are schools that operate below that price point, there are schools that operate above that price point, and Talim are looking at all opportunities available to us.
1: We've had a number of uh, messages from the residents of Myra actually wanting to know exactly when that school is going to be open.
5: September 2025. Um, You know, we're really excited. It's on track and it will be a a beautiful school building on the reputation of of Dubai British School Emirates Hills and Dubai British School Jumeirah Park. Uh,
1: You've also mentioned another line in your earnings here about your greenfield strategy. Will there be more new builds?
5: Well actually already we are enhancing the capacity of Greenfield International School it's an IB school out in DIP it was international IB school of the year and we're putting another 500 seats into that and of course brandy this is our 2425 strategy in um, 26 and 27 we'll be announcing further growth and and that's why some of the major international investors in the world are investing in Talim's story. People love our story, not just because of the profitability and the returns on our story. I think people love the idea of investing into education.
1: Unfortunately, we do have to leave it there this morning. Uh, Alan Williamson is the CEO of Taleem, the school's operator, talking to us about their numbers for Q1 2023-2024, 60% just over uplift in profits uh, and 11.5% rise in revenue. Thank you for your time.
5: Always, Brandy. Thank you.
0: Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite sized Business Breakfast.
1: Right, looking at two opposing energy stories this morning. We are about to see the fastest growth yet in renewable. Energy, according to the International Energy Agency or the IEA. But at the same time, as Tom's just told us in the business headlines, there we are seeing more and more energy sector mega mergers uh, in the last 24 hours, creating the largest gas player in the US. What's going on? I know in a couple of hours, Georgia Tolly going to have a huge focus this morning on the fact that it is one month since COP asking if anything has really changed. So change tune for that after 10 a.m. Uh, we're going to look at both of these stories this morning with Robin Mills, who is the CEO of Camar Energy. Robin, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. Right, so the IEA reckons that the next five years are going to see the fastest growth yet for renewables. What pace of growth are we seeing at the moment?
6: Well, so global capacity at the end of last year was about 3,800 gigawatts. And the IEA says uh, we'll get to about 7,800 by 2028. That's the end of their forecast period. And there's an aim to triple renewables. This was one of the COP28 goals to triple global renewable energy capacity by 2030. Now, at the moment, we're on track for about two and a half times. So not quite three times, but close. And with a bit more effort, it's, it's quite possible we could get to that three times by 2030.
1: Okay. when you say effort, what do we actually need to see happen?
6: Well, this is really a, you know, a global problem. And I think the, the IA's report, what they said was look so much of the action today is in China. Um, so China is, is installing renewables, wind and solar, particularly at an incredible pace. Um, but the IA says, look, we need to go faster in other parts of the world, particularly in Africa, um, which has huge renewable potential, which needs electricity. But, uh, but where it's, it's, it's very slow uh, and doing projects, it's not nearly enough renewable capacity. And in other parts of the world, like, like Latin America. And I think now we're seeing, you know, that expanding renewables. It's not a question of economics, really, in most places. Renewables are quite economically competitive. It's a problem of things like permits, supply chains. How long does it take you to get a connection to the grid? It's all, the, all these, these kind of barriers that are slowing things down.
1: Right. So what we're largely talking about there is both policy and infrastructure.
6: Exactly. Exactly. You know, problems are different in every country, but there are, you know, there are some general themes uh, across the world. For example, you, you build a solar project, you need to connect it to the grid. In many countries, you wait years and years for that. Um, supply chains in the, in the wind industry, get, getting turbines, getting wind towers uh, on time, the industry has really been struggling to, to deliver enough. Uh,
1: what about the diversification of this renewable energy? Solar and wind, according to the IA report, making up um, the lion's share. What about two that we're very invested here in the UAE, nuclear and hydrogen?
6: Yeah, those are, I think. Uh, so when we talk about the renewables in, in the Asia, report, they're really looking at wind, solar, hydropower, bioenergy, so burning wood and things. Um, nuclear is generally not considered renewable energy, but it is a clean and low carbon energy. And, and indeed, the UAE has been a leader in that. Um, again, if you look globally, it's, it that is a China story. Again, China is building far more nuclear power than, than anybody else in the world. Uh, and when we talk about hydrogen, that's kind of, you know, we, we use renewable energy to make hydrogen. Um, hydrogen is very promising it has a, a very important role in, in industry in particular uh, but many people are struggling to get the hydrogen projects across the line somebody has to step up and for now and say that they're willing to pay a premium and they've not there's not been enough of that yeah
1: okay well at the same time our other headline this morning um we have another energy mega merger in the u.s we've seen this from uh, Exxon, Chevron, Mobil, uh, now it is the gas players who are getting involved. Uh, Chesapeake and Southwestern Energy is creating what will be the largest gas company in the U.S. Why are we seeing so much energy consolidation at the moment?
6: Yeah, I, I think this is a combination of kind of two two factors. First one is the U.S. shale industry is is getting mature. It's been an incredible success over the past decade and more, um, but now it's reaching this this stage of maturity where um, the smaller companies, the independent companies, have led so much of the growth. They're kind of reaching the end of the road. And the big companies, as you say, like Exxon, Exxon Mobil, like Chevron, are, are swallowing them up. Um, and it's also a sign that companies are they're quite, in a funny way, they're quite cautious on spending. They don't want to invest too much and get burnt if prices fall. And US gas prices, in particular, are extremely low. It's a, it's a huge struggle to make any money in the US gas industry. So companies, instead, if they have spare cash, they're spending it on consolidation. They're either buying smaller rivals, or like this Chesapeake deal, that they're teaming up to to build scale.
1: Yeah, it's going to help Chesapeake though. Um, it, this deal is is going to help with more gas going out from the U.S. to to other countries to the world because of where um, some of their infrastructure is located. Uh, doubling down on energy infrastructure. I know has been one of the the big discussions of COP, uh, the need to keep the lights on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but where is the line between a sustainable transition and increasing the percentage of, of fossil fuels out there?
6: Yeah, you know, there's a story between oil and gas. It's it's a different emphasis, right? So if we look at the US, US recently became the world's largest exporter of liquefied natural gas from nothing a few years ago, which again is another incredible uh, turnaround story. And as you say, companies like Chesapeake are supplying gas to these export plants. And that has got a boost re- in the past couple of years because of Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine. Europe has cut itself off Russian gas. Um, and so there's a need for a lot more gas in the market. It's not necessarily increasing the total amount of gas on the market, but it's about replacing all of that Russian gas that go that used to go to Europe. And the U.S. is is the is the major part of that for now. But
1: we've also got investment in new LNG facilities, Qatar, U.S. I mean, that investment's being made, presuming that those plants are going to be working for decades.
6: That's true. And I think everybody, uh, you know, every serious energy analyst who looks at this say that there is a role, of, a big role for natural gas in the energy mix for, indeed, for those decades. And even Europe, which has net zero commitments, European companies have been signing up Uh, LNG deals to import LNG from Qatar from the U.S. that run out to to 2050. So they also clearly see demand. So, you know, we need to use gas in in a cleaner way. Um, But I think when we look at this extra gas on the market, you have to think a lot of this gas. Yes, we've got to Europe to replace Russian gas. That's not changing the the total amount of gas being used. But it is also going to Asia. And in Asia, it's, it's really competing against coal. So if we want to get India, China, these big Asian countries off coal, they need more gas.
1: The expansion of existing facilities um, as well as as new. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Robin Mills, the CEO of Camo Energy. We appreciate your time.
0: Just the highlights. This is the bite-sized business breakfast.
4: Right, I'm under producer's orders. Anyone for golf? We're golfing in paradise.
2: We're golfing in paradise. Even bad
3: shots look so nice. When you're golfing in, when you're golfing in
4: when you golf in paradise interesting not sure if it's going to make uh, the playlist but uh, another one that's been dragged out of the archives there uh, but there will be few that would disagree with the fact that uh, well this is golfing paradise at the moment and one man uh, sitting very much at the top of that tree is the CEO of Dubai Golf Chris Mate who somehow has been able to drag himself away to join us live in studio for what must be Uh, surely the busiest time of the year for anybody
2: involved in the sport of golf. Chris, morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Tom. Great to be here. Just how busy is it at the moment? It's a fairly busy period of the golfing season. Yeah, Yeah, it's been. But it's great. It's really exciting to have uh, really the focus of the world golf uh, attention on, on Dubai. I've got loads of
4: things I want to talk to you about, specifically about golf here in the region. But a big developing story overnight with regards to a very well-known man close to you and close to the world of golf, Keith Pelley, who has announced that he is going to be moving on from his role uh, with the DP World Tour, formerly the European Tour, of course, um, overnight. This is Keith speaking a few years ago. the
2: Golfing landscape has changed forever. That is a fact. This is definitely the most divisive period in any sport I've ever been involved in. Yes, I didn't begrudge any of them for going. Make your move, go, and do what you think is best for your career. But do not then begrudge the consequence of your actions because I explained to each and every one of them there will be consequences.
4: A man who's energised golf for across Europe and further afield during his tenure as well. Uh, First and foremost, Chris, your reaction to the news that Keith Pelley is moving on?
2: Yeah, um, I'm not surprised in in the move. I think Keith has done a really good job and I think importantly, he's brought someone on behind him in Guy Kinnings, who's very capable uh, and very safe pair of hands and will take the DP World Tour on to bigger and greater things. Uh, Keith's been at the helm in a very difficult period very challenging period and i think uh, you know has has done a really really good job and uh, has a great opportunity to move back home to canada now and take up a, a dream job for him um operating his uh, his, his his boyhood uh, fan his boyhood team in the toronto maple leafs so uh, good luck to to keith um he Leaves uh, the, the tour, I think, in a better place. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I'm sure we'll still see see Keith in this part of the world every now and then. And sure
4: we will. And, in fact, he is here at the moment. And just to add to that, yeah, uh, all the best to Guy Kinnings, who uh, is of going to, of course, take on the role at the moment and has been very much involved in the tour for many, many years as well. So uh, looking forward to some positive times there. Mention that Keith's here. He's at the Dubai Invitational. It's a new tournament. Why the new tournament?
2: Uh, well it 's a great initiative led by abdullah al nabuda who 's a very prominent uh, golf figure in in the Middle East and uh, sits on the board of the DP World Tour. Uh, he has uh, had a, a, a tournament which has been held in slightly smaller scale for probably the last eight to ten years and uh, this is the first time it 's been elevated to a to a full uh, DP world Tour event with with you know full prize money and um, points on on the tour so there's 60 players 60 professionals playing and 60 amateurs so it's very similar uh to w- uh, an event that already exists on the european tour dp world tour the uh, dunhill links so you've got businessmen and sports celebrities from around the world flown in to dubai to participate alongside some of the very best players in the world uh, and uh, the atmosphere at the Creek is great. Uh, day one yesterday and we've got three days ahead of us and uh, we're expecting to see some some really big crowds, especially if uh, Mr McIlroy stays at the top of the leaderboard.
4: Roy McIlroy very much at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, he already has come out and said that, you know, he was uh, had no hesitation of signing up to this Dubai Invitational format. Uh, A, for competition. B, he likes that pro M for uh, C, great tee-up for the Hero Dubai Desert Classic, which gets underway next week.
2: It does it I mean both t- tournaments complement each other very well um, bringing players here for two weeks in a row to start their season Where better to start in the world than Dubai? Uh, weather is perfect golf courses are perfect the team at the creek have done a great job uh, Ollie uh, and his team have done a, a, a sort of a, a really really good job sorry Harry Wells and his team have done a great job at, at the creek and uh, Emirates Golf Club next week uh, the the team uh, led by Matt Perry have produced a very different golf course which will be a great challenge and we've got a great field uh, coming once again for the desert classic next week uh, led by rory mcelroy and tommy fleetwood and the open champion brian harman and cameron young uh, so it's, it's going to be really exciting uh two two great weeks of golf
4: and we of course will be keeping up to date with all the developments from both tournaments over the course of the next few days and weeks um we talk, we've we talked long about the desert swing and bringing a number of tournaments together. It really seems to have been gone into overdrive this year as well, with the top and tailing of the tour, the DP World Tour, because obviously from the Hero Dubai, they're off to Ras Al Khaimah, then to Bahrain, then to Qatar, and then come back round as well. Is this an indication of just how important this part of the world is to golf at the moment?
2: Yeah, I think without a doubt it's uh we've never had so many tournaments in this part of the world, you know, five tournaments in a row at the beginning of the season. Uh we're very fortunate in this part of the world that the weather is is perfect at this time of the year, so it really works well for the European season to start off here and then, as you said, to finish uh, in Abu Dhabi and the DP World Tour Championship in November. So this year has really uh, you know, taken it to another level and really shows the quality of the golf courses in this part of the world and I'm sure will help golf tourism in years to come. That is what I wanted
4: to ask you about next. I mean, in terms of tee times, the pressure on you and all the teams across the UA at the moment to provide tee times for all the tourists coming in, all the residents, the booming population. How much pressure is there at the moment?
2: Uh, when the tournaments are being held, it, the, the the demand on tee times is very, very high. And obviously, the supply is slightly reduced because you've got one or two golf courses closed. So this week, you've got one course at Emirates closed and obviously the Creek. So that does present some challenges, but it, it benefits some of the other golf courses in the region, uh, whether it's the Northern Emirates or Abu Dhabi, where, where players from Dubai or tourists coming will probably... Um, move out to, the, to those golf courses and, and fill them all up. So, yes, it is quite difficult to get a tee time this week and next week, but um, most people seem to manage to be able to find a tee time somewhere or the other. So it's uh, it, it, you just got to
4: work a little harder. Your phone doesn't stop ringing those, does it, you know? Pulling in a few favors, <laughs> let's run the centre. Let's. Uh, but one thing I want to add to that one: the year-round offer, and Top Golf has obviously contributed to that. Rumours doing the rounds at the moment, and you can put these right. Uh, the uh, record numbers have been broken at Top Golf in recent times. How did you end up in 2023? Happy with it?
2: Yeah, it was a phenomenal year, best year so far. We've just celebrated our third birthday, um, and uh, the final week between Christmas and New Year, we saw five days in a row which were record days five of our six busiest days in a row so the team did a great job there we celebrated our 50 millionth ball being hit and uh yeah the top golf dubai finished the number three venue in the world so uh, very, very exciting times and uh, amazing how how popular the venue is.
4: Ten seconds left with you, Chris. Just a quick one. In terms of going to the Invitational this weekend, free entry or not?
2: Free entry. You need to register for tickets. Many people have done that. I think 10,000 people have registered for tickets Saturday, Sunday. The only thing to uh, be concerned about would be uh, parking. There is none. Uh, so please uh, either use the metro or, or a taxi. There's a great uh, taxi drop-off point. So it's easy to get there, but take taxi or public transport.
4: Same advice for the Hero Dubai Desert Classic next week. Listen, a uh, big thank you to you, Mr. Chris May, thanks for joining us on busy period for you. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you very much. This is the bite-size business breakfast exclusively on Dubai i1038.com. You've been listening to a Dubai I 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai I in the United Arab Emirates, just go to dubai Eye
6: 1038com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.